Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, I am sitting down and talking with Chef Steve Samuels. Uh, I've had Steve Samuels on the podcast before, uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago. Always love talking to the guy, love his take on food. I love his passion for food, and uh, he's worked, he's had a long, long, long career uh, in the food industry and kitchens and worked for, you know, just some of the best places around. And now he's out doing his own thing. And he's announcing here on the podcast uh, at the end of the episode what that new thing is. So it's really cool. I'm, I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. Uh, I want you to check out, there is this, the edited version, the unedited version. We're now we're going to start releasing over on a sub stack that we just created. This will be the first episode over there. So if you want to catch the unedited version of this podcast, uh, you can go over there. We're going to put the link for everything in the show notes, and you can go there, check out the unedited version of the Eat Local New York podcast when we put those episodes out. So head over there. Again, link in the show notes for our Substack. You can subscribe. Yeah, you're going to pay for it uh, to be able to get that unedited version, but if you enjoy the podcast and you want to see more interviews, you want to hear more, be great to get your support so I can keep this thing going. Uh, so head over there, subscribe to the Substack. I do want to give a big shout out. They're not an official sponsor, but we were drinking uh, this public house pale ale from Middle Ages uh, that I got this week. Delicious beer. I met Isaac for the first time. Uh, well, I've met him before, but I really got to talk to him uh, this past week and weekend and just really great guy. And uh, I like you know some of the beers I've had that I really enjoy. And this is one of them, this Public House Pale Ale. So go check it out, Middle Ages. You can find them just about anywhere. Uh, well, it, it was really great having Chef on the podcast. Again, like I just said, I've always enjoyed talking to him. And I'm really excited to see what he's got going on with this new endeavor. Um, the restaurant industry is uh, interesting right now. Uh, you know, there's, there's people that are starting new things and that's really exciting to me. It's going to be interesting to me to see what happens now as college kids start coming back, uh, to SU and Lemoyne and ESF, because, you know, it can get really difficult, especially in downtown Syracuse where they are, you know, reliant on those tens of thousands of kids that are up at campus. So it's going to be really interesting to see some of the new stuff that starts popping out from some of these spots. Um, I've heard grumblings out there of uh, some different things that are getting ready to get started, and I just can't wait to see everything that's going to be happening. Uh, I don't really have much else to say. You know, we, I'm excited. We've got the new Eat Local New York card. We've uh, we're going to partner with Coast to Coast Foodies Nicole, and she's going to design this year's card, and that should be out in about two months, month and a half to two months, and I can't wait to get that out there. Um, you know, we're coming up on like busy season for me. Uh, as, as I've said before, I'm now, you know, uh, sort of partner out at Abbott Farms at their bar program. And so I'm really excited because, you know, we're getting into their crazy busy season. So I'm looking forward to coming up with a new cocktail menu. We do have the new show that we've started. Um, I've already put out some of the episodes here. You know, I had a bar built here at the studio and... Um, I just found out today we're going to be partnering with uh, Pascal's Liquors out in Fayetteville, and they've got a couple locations, but uh, Nick out there, I'm really excited to be working with, and we're going to start putting out more shows for that, and those are, you know, those are going on our TikTok account and our YouTube channel. I think we're going to start a new YouTube channel just for those. We're also starting a new podcast slash show. It's called Tales from Behind the Bar. 
where I'm going to be interviewing local bartenders as they teach me how to make their signature drink. And then they're going to share um, one of their crazy stories from their years of working behind bars and in restaurants. Uh, so I'm looking forward. We're going to start filming those first episodes this week, and I can't wait to put those out. And, um, you know, I, I kind of go through seasons of it's like, man, I'm going to put out all this content, and then seasons of I can't think of any content to put out. And right now I'm in one of those seasons of um, I'm just going to put out all this content. And I kind of don't have an excuse. Like before, it's easy to have an excuse to not put out a lot of new content because that means I have to either go out to eat, which it can be costly, you know, if I'm trying to go out all the time, like, you know, multiple times a day to get new content. And we just live in an area where restaurant owners, and if you're a restaurant owner listening to this, then I'm going to beg you to please stop. Uh, but we live in an area in upstate where, you know, if I DM a restaurant and say, hey, I've got 30,000 followers and I want to come in and do a free promo on your restaurant. I just need you to make like three or four dishes that you want to highlight so I can come in and do photos and do a video of. They're like, no, not all of them, but a lot of them are like, no, we're not going to do that. Um, and forget about asking to get paid for that. You know, if we're in bigger cities, it's not a big thing. You know, it's like normal to pay creators, but we're just not at that point yet in Syracuse. I don't really know why. And I shouldn't just say Syracuse. It's, it's a lot of the central New York area. Um, but anyways, they, uh, yeah, so uh, so that's hard to go out and get content that way. So th I had the bar put in, and you know I'm, I'm working on getting sponsorships to help kind of uh, limit the cost because it can get costly to go out and buy all this brand new mixology gear and all these liquor, you know, all these different liquors that you need. So I'm looking forward to these partnerships so we can start putting out content. And then I have zero excuse to put this stuff out. I mean, I've got a baby on the way. We got a baby coming in three months, and. But even then, I'll be able to just come down to the bar for like a couple hours and knock out a bunch of episodes and come up with cool stuff. So I'm excited for that. Um, you know, as a content creator, it is really, you know, the, the world of social media has just changed so much. A couple of years ago, you could just put out a photo and you'd get a ton of attention for it. And that can sometimes hit, but really everything's got to be video today. And that just takes a thousand times more effort to put out a video, even like a 60 second video, if you really want it to be well, it takes a lot of time and effort to put that out than it does to just take a really great photo. So um, I'm just really investing a lot of time into this and, you know, this whole thing. So anyway, so I'm, I'm happy to say we're working on a couple of sponsorships to just be able to pop this content out and put out good stuff. So um, you're going to be seeing a lot more cocktail themed things coming from us. And that's just because that's just one of the directions that I'm going in with it. But, you know, if you're a content creator or you're somebody who manages the social media for your restaurant, you know, I don't know if you're as into it as I am, but I'm constantly looking at, like, who's engaging with posts and how much reach it's getting. And, you know, I put out a TikTok the other day of making a John Wayne old-fashioned on TikTok. It got 200,000 views in this past, like, four or five days. And then I put out another, another I think, just as good video of me making a cocktail and it's gotten like 300 views. I mean, it's just the, the difference is staggering, but, uh, anyway, I'm going to be putting a lot of effort into the content creation for video and these cocktails. And I'm, I'm excited to start putting that stuff out. So, um, well, without further ado, we're going to, I'm going to stop talking and we're going to get into this week's episode with chef Steve Samuels. I just want to say, you know, if you really want to help us keep going with the podcast, Head over to eatlocalnewyork.com, buy an Eat Local New York card. It's $25. It 
It's a membership card, basically. And then whenever you go out to eat at a participating restaurant, you spend $25 or more, show that you have your member card, and you save $5 off your bill. So it's a great way to help us continue to do what we're doing here at Eat Local New York. You can also download our mobile app. That's free to do, and it just helps us even more. So uh, do those two things. If you enjoy the podcast, you want to help us keep this going. being able to flex that kind of creative muscle sure. that way. Um, you know, when we, oh, I've had the idea for the name for, for two and a half, three years. I think I told you about the name. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Went last time. Dude, let me just say this. When I saw it come up on social media, there was nothing in me that was surprised at all. Yeah. I saw this coming. And, yeah. You know, and that's great. A few people said that, like, we've been like, fine. We were waiting for, you know, when that would happen. Um, so I really enjoy it. We spent two months in like the test kitchen, uh-huh. you know, testing out different recipes and breading and thighs versus breasts and, you know, tenderizes, not tender, you know, all that stuff. And so that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed right. it. I love getting in there and cooking when I do. And, you know, I'm not never on the line because I don't want to screw those guys up because, you know. Right, right, right. Um, but I really enjoy, I just enjoy everything. I love coming up with specials. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, the food could be a lot better. Could be, it's, it's great. I haven't tried it yet. And the only reason is I just, I don't have a chance to go anywhere. Yeah. You know, first of all, three days a week, I've got this little guy. Yeah. And every moment that I'm awake, I'm dealing with him and I wouldn't have it any other way. And then those other days, I'm working. And when I'm not working, I'm home decompressing and then sleeping it's that's yeah. really what i'm doing right now when you were i mean so you've got we'll, we'll get to it you have your own spot now your own thing you're doing now when you were and because this is what i'm finding in myself and i'm wondering if this is just the thing um before all of this before the bar and the restaurant uh-huh. i could just go to sleep right like you know i might stay up late like you know late then was like 10 o'clock and even if I wasn't exhausted, I could just go to bed, fall right, asleep right. relatively easy. I can't do that anymore. I when I get home, I'll stay up and I until I'm absolutely dead exhausted, and then I go to sleep. That's what I've been doing for thirty something years. Okay. <laughs> um, when I say, you know, it's really weird though because. Again, COVID changed everything, especially my sleeping patterns. So for a long time, I became really enamored of naps. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which feel great and then screw up your sleep cycle. Hmm. So even if I, like, suppose when I put my son to sleep at, let's say, seven thirty, eight o'clock, if he's got school the next day. I might fall asleep for 10 minutes with him. Mm. Right away, that means I'm up until 4 in the morning. 
gotcha. even just 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that screws that up. But because the restaurant business is so frenetic and chaotic that, yes, you potentially lay in bed and think about every moment oh. all night long. Dude, I have sometimes from the restaurant, but mostly from the bar, especially out there when we have like a festival or something uh-huh. that's busy. I wake up two, three, four times in the middle of the night. And a couple of times I have woken myself, I've woken up out of a dead sleep, sitting on the edge of my bed and reaching to grab a, what's Cup not there, tap a or... shaking tin. Yep. I mean, I'm not kidding. I was having I, a dream I one know, night I know. that I was grabbing simple syrup and a shaking tin and doing this. And I woke up at three in the morning and my wife was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I mean, it's yep. wild. Yep. 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 I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, yeah. So you know, the thing is you will get used to it. You will totally get used to it. I mean, there's times that I can just, if it was a busy day and I absolutely crushed from the moment I arrived to the moment I left, then guess what? There is no time for that other stuff. I get home, take a shower, and boom, mm-hmm. I'm out. Yeah. But that's not too co- too common because I've been doing it too long. Yeah. So that, yeah, so you were busy today. So what? Yeah. Nothing's changed. <laughs> you know? I mean, again, I've been doing this since 1978. That's, That's just ridiculous. I don't. I think about this every time I go into the restaurant. And, you know, our guys that we have in there, um, you know, shout out. I don't think they listen, but shout out if they do. Shout out to Kevin and Billy and Mikey. Uh, I don't know how they do it. I don't know why they do it. It's a, um unforgiving job. It's a absolute killer on your body yes oh my god uh, in the summertime i mean forget about it with the heat and the forget about the heat in general but when it's 100 degrees when it's 90 85 degrees out it's nuts and um we pay them well but we don't pay them like oh it's fine we don't pay them like you know they're not making 100 grand Mm -hmm. a year right right um i don't know why people do it i really i understand it it's you know here's the thing and i there's a lot of okay, so let me put myself my, as an example in this conversation. Um, one day in 1978, the people who were in charge of the high school that I attended asked me quite respectfully to never go there again. Will you please never enter these doors again? And I got a job dishwashing that night. Hmm. That's how a lot of people, a lot of kitchen people get their jobs. And they get comfortable because they have a job. A lot of times that job has a liquor license so they can have a few pops after work. And, you know, you move up rather quickly and you're proud of yourself. And um, you stay in it because some people have a passion for it. I've never even thought about doing anything else. Naturally, I decided a few years later to go to college and blah, blah, blah. But I've never thought about doing anything else than the restaurant business, whether it's front of house, back of house, both at the same time. It takes a special sort of whack job to do it. It really does. 
it's it's exhausting and um it, it, at times it can be frustrating a lot of times it can be frustrating it's um but there is something like I said, I don't know how people do it, but but I do understand it because there is something really rewarding for me. Oh my god! Making a coming up with an idea for a sandwich and you know running it by the guys that they we can they the line can handle it. But, but not only that, what about also the fact that you are feeding people? Yeah, it gives me unbelievable satisfaction knowing that people bite into something I made and went like, "Oh my god, it's so good!" <laughs> yeah. I love that. And that right there is what keeps me in it. Mm -hmm. And it sounds really Pollyannish to be like, I'm just in it for the satisfaction of my guests. <laughs> but in a, uh, on a certain level, it's 100% true. For sure. Yeah, because if you have a satisfied guest, you have more money, hopefully. You know? Yeah, but... Uh, I'm not yeah, saying that's... No, yeah, no, but... listen. You said a mouthful because I should really think about it in terms such as those a lot more often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... It happens at the restaurant, but it happens more because I'm at the bar more often. Right. And that is, I come up, I think of a cocktail, I make it, I have people, you know, the staff, whatever, say it tastes good. I put, I, I photograph it, I put it on social media, somebody comes in and buys it, and then on their way out, that that was an amazing cocktail. Think, yep. You know, we'll be back. It's like, wow, so that feels good. I'm really curious about how you come up with a cocktail. Um, uh, this is this is where I'm going yeah, with this. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so your inspiration might be you woke up in the morning and you were craving a certain flavor. I don't know. But how do you go about composing a cocktail that no one's ever heard of before? Um, so we're I'm challenged because we have a farm license, so I can only use New York State spirits. Good for you. That's That's cool, but... I can't have tequila. I really can't have rum because I don't know of anybody that has. Like, I think you're right. I don't know of anyone yeah. doing rum in the state. Madison County came out with one, but I think it was like short lived. They just came out with it recently. But um, I mean, it's no vermouth. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Dude. I know. So, what about now, if I'm not mistaken? So, there's a lot of New York State fortified wines, sherry's, <laughs> ports, and stuff like that. Yeah. Things you might want to. But so, what do you use? So, because it's just to make things easy, and they sell through Onondaga Beverage, which is our distributor. Sure, uh, we get everything from Lock One. Okay. So, I will admit, when I first started, and they were like, "Hey, like the farm was, you know, the owners were saying, um, just so you know, we've used Lock One. If you want to continue to use them, they're great." And my first thought was, "Yeah, you're out of your mind. Sorry, a distillery in Phoenix doesn't make anything good." That was my dumb first response. Okay. Um, and maybe if you judged, I know they've won awards, but maybe if you judged, you know, their bourbon against some of the best in the world, that might be true. I, maybe it's true. I have no idea. The stuff's great. It works wonderful. People absolutely love it at the bar. So, um, I can't really judge them on those things because they're especially like their coconut excuse, they call it, you know, it's like a coconut liquor. Uh, it's phenomenal. I use, I mean, I go through... Really? I go through. So that's the summertime. That oh my god! So I make a blueberry mojito. It's the cool thing about being on the farm is it's blueberries that were picked in their oh, fields. Dude. It's mint that we well, we get it from Syracuse banana, but it's you know fresh mint. 
it's uh, and it's coconut liqueur and it's a mint simple syrup that I make and you know freshly squeezed lime juice and it's a I mean we sell so you really and really piqued my interest about this and this is why I say it when I compose a cocktail I use let's say a base liquor in other words what I'm starting with let's call it bourbon mm-hmm. and then I need a flavor mm-hmm. and. It's usually not a sweet, but a kind of dryish liqueur, like let's say mm. Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. And then I need a counterpoint, like um, something like Aperol. Mm-hmm. And then I go from there. I might need some muddled fruit. It might need this or that. But here in New York State, there is no dryish liqueur. There is no uh, digestif. Yeah. So you, I'll bet you're coming up with some wild stuff because you have to. Yeah. And you have to, like, like shoot from the hip. Yeah, I mean, mo- the thing that I think we're probably, we're like a, we're like a two-song bar, you know, like, I've got a bramble and I've got the mojito. The only difference is the coconut and vodka. Other than that, it's still lime juice, simple syrup, mint, blueberries, you know. Um so, you know, it's like my old-fashioned. I use a blueberry simple syrup, things like that. So I do have to be seasonal, like when it was strawberries in so July. So because you can't have vermouth and you can't right. have – wow. So What about yeah. things like bitters, like Angostura bitters? I think if the – probably if the state came in and they were going to, like, hold a you know microscope up, they'd say, sorry, get rid of them. But There are a lot of local bitters happening. Yeah. Just, I've got a bottle of Angostura that I use. Of course. But um, – Yeah. It's the standard of the industry, and it's amazing. Right. But I have a feeling, you know, if the state came in there, they'd probably be like, oh, what's that doing here? So um, it's fun. I mean, now we're going into fall season, and, you know, fall time out there is nuts because they're apple season, I should just say, not fall season, which their apples are ready to pick. You know, Um, the thing is, though, um, any chef in this area will tell you the flavors of autumn. Yeah. Listen, I love summertime. But when it comes to cooking, it's the flavors of autumn. Mm-hmm. They're the one; th- those are the flavors that kill everything else. I don't care. Yeah. And I'm not talking about pumpkin spice. I'm talking about <laughs> everything else. These wonderful roasted root vegetables and this, that, and the other thing is like that's, yeah. that's what I want. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah. So it's uh, I en- I've re- like I said, I've really enjoyed that's incredible. it. Um, you know, I've been, I've tried the mojito. I really spent time like reading blogs watching videos trying to figure out like how do you really make a great mojito you know um and that's one thing like we've had i've had a couple different people come in and help and it is like be on the bar on busy nights and it is interesting i've said this to the guys at the restaurant before we're not a turn and burn restaurant through and fried we don't want to be you know it's not about just like throw out a chicken sandwich as fast as you can if it takes a few extra minutes and you put out the best thing that you can, that's what it's all about. That's a good job. You know, th- that's the whole thing. And I've told everybody uh, in every place that I've ever run. Do you know what the customer, unless they're really not enlightened and they're really, really smitten with fast food, they will wait a few uh, extra minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You as an employee, you will gain speed by repetition. Yeah. 
but that product that you're about to feed somebody is not going to gain anything by you rushing it. Mm-hmm. So you're going to you're going to learn the economy of motion and the efficiency of everything, every step you take to make it a faster process. But that piece of chicken, it's doing what it does in its own time. There's nothing you're going to do. I mean, if you do something to accelerate it, you've ruined it probably. Yeah, for sure. There's uh, Being in a kitchen reminds me of when I worked, you know, back years ago, I worked at a mega church in Texas, of all things. Whoa. Yeah, and I was the stage manager. And so, and there was three services every Sunday, and my job was to, I walked around with an iPad and a walkie-talkie earpiece, and I was connected to every major department in the church, and my job was to, there was an order of service. There was, you know, 9 a.m. this, 9.30 that, 9.35 this. And so my job was to make sure that that order of service went through flawlessly. And then the other part of my job was to watch the pastor and literally stand in a corner and just stare at the back of his head and learn, you know, if he turned, you know, like learn everything about Mm -hmm. the guy. Right. So if he said in the middle of a song, okay, I want the video to go next, I don't want the fourth song to play, I want to do the video now, I had to be able to run up to him, get his message, and then go convey it to everybody else. And what that job really taught me was, I think it's vital for the service industry, it doesn't matter who you're talking to, it matters a little bit how you're talking to them, but not much. At the end of the day, a job just has to get done. Mm -hmm. Something has to be executed. No matter how you get it done, figure it out. And sometimes, if the walkie-talkie wasn't working, that meant sprinting my ass up across this you know across the campus upstairs to go Jesus wait a minute so dude this was in Texas yeah we're both in Texas yeah uh, a town called Colleen Texas it's Colleen. Fort oh Hood Hot. okay army base it's okay. about 45 minutes north of um Austin and 3 hours south of Dallas, Dallas. right by Waco wow jesus i enjoyed it it was a fun time it's crazy um I had a friend of mine who actually died at Waco. Oh, really? Like at Waco? At Waco. Holy cow. This cat, I went to high school with him, and he was never bolted together with lock washers. Yeah. He was always nuts. (laughs) And then the last thing I had heard is, yeah, he went down in flames in Waco. Like, whoa. It doesn't surprise me, though. That really did not surprise me. Poor guy. Yeah. Loved him. I thought he was a great guy. Not normal. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> These are things we all have in our lives. Um, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it was uh, I was there for two years. A lot of experiences there that I can share on and some off camera. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun. But that taught me that sometimes things just have to get done. Right. And right. you just it doesn't matter how they just someone has to do them and they have to do them now. And it, that's the same case in restaurants. There are some times where it doesn't matter how it's getting done, or you just you got to get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, right? You just ran out of egg wash. Well, you're about to do it. <laughs> yeah, you're about to get in your car and go find the nearest freaking place that has yeah, eggs yeah, and yeah, get yeah. them. And you know, so that's the whole thing right there. And I learned this very, very, very early on. I worked for some would say a tyrant, and yes, he was a tyrant. Former Marine, mm-hmm. hard ass. Hmm. 
And when I went there to work, it was like, you know, to me, like any other restaurant, you run out of something, you go to the store and buy it. Like, you went to Wegmans and bought this? <laughs> Get out of my restaurant. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't ever. Do- anyway, the point was, you obviously didn't plan right. And mm-hmm. if you're paying retail for something that we're supposed to pay wholesale for, you're not running this right. <laughs> I learned very – I stayed with them for 10 years, but I learned very, very quickly. Management is planning for the future. Mm-hmm. And food, you really have to plan down to – I mean, you are on a razor's edge. Perhaps this product hasn't brined long enough. Mm-hmm. Problem. Or perhaps this product brined too long because you overestimated sales. Another problem. Mm-hmm. The answer has to be right. Yeah. And that is a problem. Hmm. That right there is a problem. Well, wait a minute. If it brined too long, you just throw it away. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you mean so I should just take this uh, $100 bill and just throw it in the dumpster? Why yeah. don't I cut out the middleman just throw my money in the dumpster? Yeah. It's a, it's a rough, rough freaking business. Yeah. I mean, what do they say? Football is a game of yards. And I think, you know, to be a, a, a successful restaurant owner, you know, the restaurant industry is a game of pennies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Pennies, pennies, pennies. Because uh, it might be 10 cents today, but tomorrow it's going to be a dollar. And then if you just keep letting it going. Listen, you know, all these, this was, that, that guy that I was just talking about, the ex-Marine guy, um, he kind of instilled another thing on me. You know how when you and I, we may talk about money, stuff that we spend money on, and we may say, well, well you know, big deal. It's, it's 20, different, 20 cent difference. Really? We'll take that 20 cents and extrapolate it over how many pounds we're talking about. Extrapolate that over this week. Mm-hmm. Now extrapolate that over 52 weeks. Okay, so that means four thousand dollars. Now on New Year's Eve, are you going to refuse a check from me for four thousand dollars? <laughs> no, you're not. So yeah, yeah. For, you know that twenty cents matters. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's looking at you know selling liquor, selling beer and stuff like that. I mean, especially beer. I'm like, okay, I just paid three dollars and fifty cents for this beer, and I'm just going to sell it for seven. Uh, or that beer I'm paying 75 cents for and I'm selling it for five, you know, and it's, you know, just that little thing. But if you can move the volume for well, it, you know, that you kind of just, uh, I think you're really, really meant for this business, dude. Yeah. First of all, we'll you are going to have quote unquote loss leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've worked for people who are very strict on their cost of goods sold percentage. In other words, Everything on their menu and every ingredient for everything on their menu is, let's say, for the sake of argument, a 25% food cost. Well, that's not realistic. And the reason I say that is you're not going to do that with a filet mignon Mm -hmm. versus a plate of pasta. Chicken riggies. Thank you. (laughs) Chicken frickin' riggies. You're going to... Get a 15% food cost on your chicken riggies, but your filet mignon, you're going to bite the bullet and do a 50%. Mm. Or you're going to sell none of them, and you want to sell them. Yeah. You know, it's part of who you are. Hmm. I I was at a restaurant last week. I won't tell you which one, uh, but recently acquired by a new owner. And uh, it's a long story, but the owner was telling a story, and he was saying, 
he's been, he's had the place for about a year now. And so we were saying, well, how, how's it going? What's been different from day one to day to, to today? And he was talking about, well, we've finally got like our menu in place and like the food and we got it all figured out. And, you know, for the first three months, we were running at an 85% food cost. What? And I was just thinking like, how, how is that possible? You, you can't. And then pay your people at the same time? Right. And so he, he said that they figured it out. What they did is they kept, I forget, I think he said they kept changing the menu up, and that's why it was. But now they have this set menu, and they figured out what everybody loves, and they figured out ways to buy. And, and I get that. But it's still, I'm thinking to myself, how could you manage an 85% food Unless cost? you have the deepest pockets on earth, and money doesn't matter to you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, well, I've got a few questions that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm really happy. Yeah. Um, have you seen the show The Bear yet? I have not. The only, i got to be honest with you. The only <laughs> streaming site I don't have is Hulu. I have everything oh, else really? on Earth, and I don't have Hulu. Yeah. Uh, I've heard it's great. I, it, it's good. I've, I watched it. Uh, th- I watched the entire series, season. It's like eight or nine uh-huh. episodes. And, th- and I watched it three times in a week. I just really? had it, like if I was here, I just had it on plane. And I loved it. And, you know, now the more that I've really thought about it, and, you know, it's been like a month or two since it came out, the more I've thought about it, um, the more I'm, like, conflicted. I don't know how much, how great of a show it is. You know, did you ever see the movie Chef? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that did, I mean, I don't know, that came out, what, 10 years ago maybe? Yeah. I mean, think about all the food trucks, you know, and you know, it's like how many babies were conceived on Valentine's Day? How many food trucks and restaurants were You're conceived? You're absolutely right. So have you seen uh, The Chef Show? Yeah. I think that's pretty good, too. That's I great. don't know how great this guy is ever going to be at being a chef, but everyone he surrounds himself kicks ass. Oh, hell yeah. You know, and I just love watching it. And I don't like... I. Do not watch the Food Network because mm-hmm. I find that to be really schlocky, and I don't even know who's on it anymore. Last time I yeah. watched it, some guy was going bam. I yeah. don't even know what the hell any of that is. Yeah. Um, that thing, uh, David Chang's Ugly Delicious. Yeah. At first, I thought I was going to hate this, and then it wasn't even the food. It wasn't even the food so much as some of these people's heart. Mm-hmm. I found myself getting all misty one time. Now, I can't mm-hmm. remember what I was watching, what, what episode it was, but it's like these people love food mm-hmm. and they love the people who are going to eat it. Yeah. And I got all misty and welly and mm-hmm. whatever. Was there ever a celebrity chef, so to speak, that you like, consumed a lot of their stuff or looked up to okay um i can't even pronounce his name the dude from spain who changed everything um oh um andres oh shoot and his uh what do you call it his his, his protege is now feeding people in ukraine okay uh, when you said Spain, my first thought was Argentina, and that's um, Francis Malman. But yeah. I, I do dig his stuff. But, um, you know, when yeah. I look at some of the stuff that Charlie Trotter did, it's amazing. Um, Eric Repair. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. 
But again, that's not my style anymore. When I was younger, I wanted to be that guy. And uh, I made adorable food. And then I realized I was making it for other people, but I still wanted to eat cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, so it's weird because what I'm doing now has absolutely nothing to do with that stuff. When I first started my quote-unquote five-star chef thing, mm-hmm. I was doing adorable kind of pseudo-upscale dinner stuff mm-hmm. where people would you know, look at my menu and they'd say, okay, I want three of Wednesdays. I'm going to order two Thursdays and one Friday. And they would come and pick it up or I would deliver something really gorgeous and wonderful and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And that worked Hmm. for a little while. And then it was this exact same time of year right now. All of a sudden, well, you know, and I never asked anybody, hey, why aren't you ordering for me? You know, people would say, hey, listen, sorry, Steve, we're going to take this week off because we got to take Lindsay back to college and then Herman's got to go to his academy and, you know, we're going to be away for a couple of weeks. And then it, all of a sudden I didn't hear from anybody. And hmm. at that moment, a local coffee shop or hmm. a local small chain of coffee shops approached me to make all their breakfast burritos and mm. all their breakfast sandwiches. And it was like, this is great. I don't have time for that other stuff. Mm. And I'm making great money. Wow. And then that stopped. Then they were like, okay, well, you know, we're going to move in a different direction. And I had to kind of reinvent my, reinvent myself again. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I've been dicking around with the whole fried chicken thing for two, three years, yeah. like up here. You can ask my friends. I've been thinking about a burger joint for 10 years at Mm. least. I'm like, dude, just do that. Yeah. Yeah. But. So when I first started saying, let's get this thing going, ghost kitchens were a thing. Yeah. They're fading. Yeah. That's fading. People want to go and say, hi, we're here for, you know. Right. I'm here for my order. (laughs) Um, the ghost kitchen, I thought the ghost kitchen thing was going to last and last and last. And it just yeah. seems to have faded. I think it could. It, 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 maybe it should. I mean, it's a massive deal in big cities. Um, but uh, and I, it's probably splitting hairs. There's so many differences now. There's ghost kitchens and virtual kitchens and, you know, right. everything in between. Um, I think... Syracuse just isn't really like a big. We don't have the delivery system figured out, and that's why it's yeah. I mean, I agree. people still call us a ghost kitchen, you know, and we're not. So that I was gonna call my thing a phantom kitchen because it's not a ghost <laughs> kitchen, but it's you know not a sit down restaurant, and it's not something you've ever seen before. So it's a phantom. <laughs> um, I'm in this thing called the Alien Opera House. Have you ever heard of this? Mm-hmm. No, you haven't. So, it used to be the Assumption School up okay. on the north side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this kitchen's gorgeous. I have a gorgeous... Oh, I looked at that space. Gorgeous kitchen. Like, before COVID, with Mark when he was doing it. Mark. 
Apollo from Farm. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. He was trying to like rent it out to people. So here's my problem. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. So I have a gorgeous kitchen. Mm -hmm. Don't have a website yet. In fact, you don't know how many people have said, I'm going to do your website. And then, like, I was going to pay this one dude who's really good at this sort of thing last week. And he just never showed up. And then I ran into him Saturday. Hey, where were you on Thursday? We were going to, oh, yeah, man, because I don't know. Okay, well, (laughs) we're going to forget about you then because you can't even take this seriously. Anyway, my problem is traffic. Mm. People, so I'm doing this off of the, you know, social media and the the Facebook whatever page. Well, little do I know that the thing that I see when I do this page and the thing that the people see, two different things. I have my phone number on there. Hey, man, I need your phone number. It's right there. No, it's not. And like, Hmm. oh, no, it's like completely different from what I put. The hours of operation. It says you're closed now. Really? Because it doesn't say so here. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that is a thing, unfortunately. Facebook, since... Ever since, like, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, Facebook has been doing this weird thing. It will just turn your business into permanently closed. Yeah. With nobody touching it or doing anything. And then it happens to literally all of my accounts. It's, all of a sudden, an owner will text me, why the fuck do I say permanently closed? You don't. What are you talking about? And then I look. It says permanently so, closed. Let me say, so... I'm letting a cat out of the big cat out of the bag right here and now. So I'm getting absolutely no traffic in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's fine. The people who have tried my product, yeah. they're amazed. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you why. And you know you spent months perfecting 3-1 Fried. Mm-hmm. It's funny that on um, that popular eating page here in beautiful Syracuse, <laughs> New York, there's people like, what do you mean it done took you two months to figure out fried chicken? I got my culinary certificate online, and I think you're just... Anyway, it did. It took me months not to perfect the flavor mm-hmm. and not to perfect the texture, mm-hmm. but to perfect the fact that I fried it, I made a sandwich out of it, I put it in a package, and it spent a half an hour getting mm. to your house, and the breading is still crunchy, yeah, and it's still on there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah. I'm getting rave reviews, this many customers. So mm. I went to a local sports bar this morning. Mm. Oh, that's a good idea. That I spoke to a gentleman last Saturday, and then I, I told him, he's fine. I told him, listen, on Monday I'm gonna stop by, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna make you this product, and he was knocked out. Yeah. So, at least the quote unquote crunch bird fried chicken shack segment of my business is going to move into his lovely little sports bar. That's awesome. In beautiful Eastwood, New York. <laughs> um, and here's the biggest reason no matter what, there are people in that building enjoying themselves and wanting food. Yeah, for sure. And 
Now, the former person who was in there yeah. stopped doing Grubhub and DoorDash. Do you know why? They were getting 1,300 orders a night and couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> to me, that would be the biggest... One moment, if you would, please. Yeah, you're fine. So, um, I don't even think I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a lot of deliver. I'm assuming a lot of pickup. Yeah, I don't need to do Grubhub. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Grubhub does. I mean, everybody knows the thirty percent thing. Um, right. We were trying to really perfect like the the process for like the kitchen and the restaurant of of having you know because like we have Grubhub and DoorDash and so when you know you've got. And then plus Limp Lizard has Grubhub and DoorDash. So right. you've got four tablets that you're trying to manage. And there's companies out there that have tried to simplify it by there's one company, they give you one tablet, they put all your platforms on it, and then you just have one tablet for everything. But it would just glitch. It would like I can imagine, but it's yeah. got too many things flowing into it yeah. at a time. All of a sudden it would say Grubhub would say closed on our end, but then customers are ordering. But we oh, weren't never seeing the orders, and then a driver would show up, and, and that would be horrible. Yeah, and then we tried another. You're one. Always, this is the thing about those those things. You, as the business owner, are always the one by the public perceived to be wrong. Yeah, when it's Grubhub's fault. Yeah, we've been really lucky on that end. I mean, I think the worst thing that we've had on that end is one night a guy ordered. He ordered food. His driver didn't show up for like 30 minutes. And he, the customer is more than ha- like he was like stuff happens. But so we put it through his food out because it was at that point it was like, well, nobody's going to want to eat this. And then all of a sudden the driver showed up and then the driver waited for 15 minutes while we were making his food, remaking the order. And then the driver said, I can't wait anymore. And he left. Oh, no. And so the customer called. I called the customer and I was like. And then it's a pain. I had to, like, find his nut. So I called the customer, and I was like, I don't know what Grubhub's saying, you know, like, on your end. I don't know if they canceled it or what. But your driver left. We just remade your order. Give me your address. I'm bringing it to you. And he was, like, 15 minutes away, but I got in the car and drove it over. I know exactly um, what you're talking about. I've been there. The biggest issue we've had at the restaurant is we had this – we've had only really two or three complaints, one, like, that were, like, things that were just annoying – this one guy, he's this big, fat... I really hope he listens to this podcast, because I, I hope, you know, I shouldn't say that. Lord, forgive me. But I hope this guy listens to this podcast. This guy, he has, like, his own Facebook page. He's like this big, ogre, unkempt, shaggy waste of human flesh. And I forget the name. I wish I knew the name of it, but he has his own Facebook page, so he's a food reviewer, you know. Oh, and, God. Um, and so... He, like, came in on, like, our first few days open, him and his girlfriend. They ordered their food. They got it home. It was, like, 45 minutes after, the like, the food was done, they got it home, like, when they picked their order up. And got it home. And, you know, listen, you keep fried food in a container for an hour. It's going to be nasty. Yeah. And so they were, like, complaining all these issues. So, and, of course, they went on where Syracuse eats. They went everywhere. And so I sent them a private message. I'm so sorry. Next order's on us. Let me know when you want it. So they're like, they message, hey, appreciate it. How's Tuesday at 2? Okay, awesome. 
So Tuesday, give me your order. So Tuesday at 2, food's ready. They show up at like 45 minutes late again. An hour and a half later, they post on where Syracuse eats. We just finished our eating our order from Through and Fried, it. and it was delicious. And I'm thinking to myself, that thing sat there longer. Like, wh- how? There's no way that food was good. It's like three hours old. So he what, just probably thought it was the right thing to do. So whatever. So he does that. So then the guy comes in, like two weeks later, picks up a to go. I don't know. You know, I only know it was him because he came in. And I saw him. So he picks up his to-go order, and he says, I want to add a soda. So he goes and gets it. We only sell 20 ounces, so he grabs a bottle. We charge three bucks for a soda, right? So, and the girl at the cash, our cashier is like 19. or no, she's 21. She's 21. She's like 5'4". She weighs like 50 pounds. Tiny, quiet, little Haley. And sweetest person in the world. And this guy's 6'4", 350 pounds, looks like Sasquatch in a restaurant that has two other parties and they're sitting and eating. And I'm sitting at the bar at the counter, like, working. This guy starts yelling at her about how dare we charge $3 for a soda when it's $1.50 down at the gas station and what are they trying to do? This is the worst restaurant I've ever been to. And then as he's storming out the door, says, I'm never coming back here again. I don't care what's happening like, unless you have someone who's, like, calling you, unless little Haley is sitting there calling you every horrible name in the book, no one that is that big should ever treat someone that small. Do you know, do you know what is really crazy? And this is a sign of the times. And this is post-Yelp. Yeah. And post-Syracuse Eats. Yeah. First of all, I'm terribly sorry. Not every citizen is a food critic. Yeah, no, they're not. Okay. But the thing is, I was brought up, and again, I've been doing this since before most of your viewers and listeners were born. Mm-hmm. We were always taught the customer is always right. Yeah. However, <laughs> there is a limit to that. That guy that I keep referring to, Brad Tiffany, the guy who I worked for for 10 years, I would be reprimanded if I ever took shit. If I ever took guff from a customer or allowed a customer to talk rudely to one of my staff, I would be reprimanded. Mm. I Those were the days when somebody raised their voice to an employee. You would say, you need to leave right now. Yeah, You can't do that anymore because, really? Because I'm going to go on Yelp and I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's disgusting. It happens out at the farm at Abbott's a lot. Um, Abbott's is great. It's a family. I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it's, you know, it's a family farm. I haven't. It's beautiful. You know, and so two years, this is the third year, three years ago, they started charging an admission to get on the farm. And it's like seven bucks if you want to go on the farm and see their animals and, you know, play on their playground and all that kind of stuff. I think that was the last time I went was like um, in the autumn and the, if I'm not mistaken, petting zoo and all that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. So they've just rate, like if there's a special event, that price goes up to $15 a person. So whatever. Um, it's like maybe on a weekly basis. I get like, it was just happening today. This woman, um, it's a long story, but it, this woman comments and says, sends a private message. 
I was there today. I can't believe things are roped off and I have to pay to get my kids on your farm to pet the animals. Such a waste of money. And so, and then she said, she adds on, we used to come all the time. Now we'll never be back. This is horrible. So I is like, I've worked for the Abbots for three years doing their social media. Now I'm there a lot doing, mm-hmm. you know, when I leave, when I get there, like it doesn't matter what time of day it is. They are always working. And it's, it's a father who's like 90, who's still out there every day on the tractor, taking care of the animals, all that. It's a f- like 55-year-old son and his wife, and that's it. All the rest are like paid employees, and there's not many of them. So they're, they work literally 100 hours a week. I mean, seven days a week, dusk until dawn. I mean, the farmers are out there sometimes at 2 in the morning with headlamps. Right now they're rebuilding their strawberry beds for the next growing season. And this woman is complaining about paying $14 to get on the farm. And so I'm typing that in the response. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, a, I'm so sorry, da-da-da. But instead I'm saying, listen, you see the Facebook post. You see the headlines. Things are extremely expensive today. Now imagine being a small farm that hardly makes any money, who spends 100 hours a week working to keep up the grounds and grow the fruit and take care of the animals and do all the things that need to be done so you can enjoy the property, and you're going to complain about $14 an hour or $14 a a person to get in there. And sometimes we either get pushback of LOL or sometimes we get, you know, you're right, da-da-da-da-da. And it's led me to, and this is kind of what I was getting with the show, with the bear. Do you think, because in today's world, it's like, we don't do things quietly, you know? Like, you don't just take it and keep going like that person, you know? We instead peel back the curtain and say, hey, here's the farmer working for 100 hours. Mm -hmm, Right. Do you think that, and it's true on a couple different levels, but do you think that there should be so much sympathy or empathy for restaurant workers? Like we've been talking about yes. a lot, like it's a pain in the neck. It's yes. long hours. No Listen, you know, the thing is, I think we can drag anything too far to either extreme. On the other hand, for years, restaurant workers were seen as, trash or we don't even see them some someone to be ignored or you know just a second class citizen and what they don't what the public doesn't understand and they don't recognize the food industry and i i labeled it just now as the food industry for one reason guess what john and joan q public what we're doing is putting something in your mouth. That's a rather intimate thing. I don't mean to sound like <laughs> flip or anything like that, but we're literally putting something in your mouth. It might behoove you to treat us with respect. Because, <laughs> you, we, no, you... I know, I know. You came here. We didn't force you to come here. All right. We're glad you came here. We need you to come here. 
But the fact remains is we are also feeding you. Mm -hmm. And you should want to cultivate a culture of nothing but the best is going to enter my mouth. Mm -hmm. That's really all I got to say about that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, there's times where it's like I've stopped myself a lot from just on my personal Facebook page putting things out like, you know, I'll have a really busy day. You know, I've got three businesses, you know, that I'm a part of and there's a lot of different stuff that I do. And there's times where I'll, I'll be ending my day and I'll be thinking to myself as, you know, superficial as this is, I'll be thinking to myself, wow, this post, if I made this post right now on Facebook, I'd probably get a lot of likes. And the post would look like I've, Multiple times I've thought this, and thank God I prevented myself from doing it. But life of a business owner. Woke up at 7 a.m., scheduled posts for clients, responded to comments. 9 a.m., went to the studio, edited podcast, edited video for client. 11 a.m., went to the restaurant, put stickers on takeout boxes, you know, helped pickle onions. 3 p.m., went to the bar, got the bar ready, you know, made simple syrup, you know, poured drinks for five hours cleaned the bar, went back to the restaurant, breaded chicken for an event tomorrow, stayed up until one in the morning, getting everything ready for the event. Finally went to bed at 2 a.m., woke up at 6 a.m. the next day to get ready. That's a restaurant life, by the way. It is. And there's times where I've thought, I'm going to put that on Facebook. And then I stop myself and I say, who cares? Like, not who cares, because if I, if in this world, if You're you You're so right. You know why I say that? It's not who cares. It's like the people who will comment on that are the small minority who don't care, who mm -hmm. think that, wait a minute, I snap my fingers and food arrives, and I don't care who's doing what. Yeah, They're the same people who think that food and the ingredients for dinner come from a grocery store rather than a farmer. Mm -hmm. They don't. I mean, I do know people who think, why are you going through all this stuff? Why are farmers doing all this stuff when all we have to do is go to the grocery store? Yeah. There are people who actually think that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so I, I don't know. Like I said, there's times I, you know, Kyle over at Kasai, um, I love him. He can be such a, he can be brash sometimes. And Don from the Post Standard, we all went to Buried Acorns, like soft opening uh -huh, at their new uh -huh. location. I really, really should have gone, and I just couldn't. And I, it's, the space is really cool. I know the space very well. I was almost involved with a project that was oh, going really? to go in there. Oh, wow. And it was going to have that same exact beer system. That's where the idea came from. Oh, that's cool. And I'm glad that those guys jumped all over it. Yeah. Truly. It's uh it's really a gorgeous space. It's a cool little It's a great neighborhood too because that used to be really, really sketchy neighborhood and it's mm -hmm. coming back, it's coming back, and it's really coming back. Yeah. That used to be that space used to be a brothel. I know. That's wild. I grew up near there, buddy. I know hmm. that whole area, the east side, really, really well. Yeah. So we went there um one night and ha you know, they had been there for a little bit. I got up I went there after the bar closed. And I had, we had a couple beers and, you know, they're doing the Chicago Italian beef and Don from the post standard who I like, I like Don, Good dude. um, 
he he was there, and so I'm sitting at this table with Kyle and Jesse and Jeff, who's a jazz guitarist, and I think Tim was sitting there as well. And Don came up from the bar and was like talking to me and Kyle and Jesse and Tim, and he was like, "Oh, I'm so it's so wild that you're doing the Italian beef right now. Did you see the show The Bear?" And Kyle's response was, "I live it every day. I don't want to watch it on TV." <laughs> He's got a point, though. He does have a point. I know. I don't. I'm not saying like you know. I'm not saying anything bad that you know. No, no. I'm saying I don't know if if all of this should be like. At one point, yes, people should know that um, this is you know the people that are serving them food aren't just trash. They're not just random people. They are, you know, Steve Samuels, who's. You know, got a kid and is busting his ass every single day. Is working fourteen hours and staying up at night, thinking about recipes and waking up at three in the morning, acting like he's grabbing the spatula and getting up at six to prep everything so that way you can have lunch at noon. Yes, people should know that. On one hand, and on the other hand, I'm thinking to myself, who cares and why should they? They're showing up to get a sandwich. Okay, so let's take everything that I just said before about the Yelpsters and throw that in the dumpster. Do you know why? (laughs) You're absolutely right. The reason I say you're absolutely right is, okay, we all have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. We're all proud of what we do, hopefully. Um, I guess not everybody needs to know all the freaking, you know... To put in a colloquialism that we, we all know, not everybody needs to see us making the sausage. Right. And that has become a thing in recent yeah. years. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, TikTok and, uh, you know, Instagram <laughs> reels and stuff, like half of those people cooking, like, can you just not? Just, <laughs> just stop doing that. But wait a minute. I slapped it on there really hard so you could hear it. Do you notice how, what do they call it, ASMR or something? Yeah. I don't need yeah. all the food to sound like a WAP. Right. I, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't need that, but slap it on there and throw this on there. And like, <laughs> yeah, but you don't know how to cook. Yeah. Yeah, but I make nice video. Yeah. I just did a, that um, John Wayne old fashioned on a TikTok. The thing has 200,000 views. Shut up. Yeah. It's insane. I have a TikTok account. I have not posted one thing on it yet. You should. You know, I'll tell you exactly what you should do on TikTok. You should do those the stitch. You know how you can stitch a video. So in other words, or duet a video. So you should do reactions. Oh, I know to what cooking. you mean. Yes, that's exactly what you should do. Re, the, your reaction to people cooking to their TikTok cooking videos. Yeah, you'd be good at that. Oh my God. So all right, a couple more questions. And I'm going to ask this one uh, in a second. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Shoot, buddy. So um, this is not the question. Uh, But why don't you like, I know we talked about it before, but why don't you like chicken riggies? You know, actually, I don't have, I actually, two nights ago, I ate chicken riggies. (laughs) I made chicken riggies for these people, and I had a goodly amount left over, and I put them in a little to-go container and brought them home and heated them up later, and it was delicious. Yeah. A couple of things here, though, about chicken riggies. (laughs) 
I heard the name Chicken Riggies for a long time until I figured out what the hell a Riggy was. Okay, I don't understand why it couldn't be this chicken with rigatoni or rigatoni's tossed with blah blah blah. But chicken rig, I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Yeah. So I thought it was. I just thought it was just weird that all of a sudden Syracuse, New York, glommed onto this dish that was is like a really big deal in Utica, New York. Yeah. Just the same way as people, let's say fifteen or so years ago, jumped all over. Chicken Alfredo. Like, mm. oh God, can you stop? <laughs> Just if you want to eat Italian food, eat actual Italian food. If in Italy they don't have any idea what any of this <laughs> stuff is, and I'm always the guy who's like, yeah, but it's got to be authentic. On the other hand, it doesn't have to always be authentic. Right. Why? Because hey, you know what? If it's made out of good ingredients and it tastes good, nah, you got something there. Mm-hmm. I've gotten past the whole chicken riggies hatred thing, and I'm going to tell you something <laughs> else. My menu mm-hmm. includes the crunch bird fried chicken stuff, mm-hmm. the royal burger, and I saw that one pasta dish, chicken riggies. I saw that. Why? Because it sells. Yeah, right. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and you know what? Like I said, I sold some the other night. I had a decent amount left over. I brought it home around midnight. As you can tell, I microwaved it off. I put some more Parmigiano on. And you know what? It was good. Yeah. That guy, um, speaking of reactions, what's that? Vivenzio or Vincenzo? Hmm. Vincenzo's Kitchen. Yeah. He would probably see somebody making a chicken or reggae <laughs> and start crying. Yeah. No, we understand they're not eating this in Milan, but mm-hmm. you know what? It stuck to my ribs and put another seven pounds on me. Yeah. And it was good. And it went down <laughs> good with, you know, a cold beer. It is a good dish uh, if it's done well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I've got a lot of questions on here that I didn't get to. Go on, go on. Ask them all. Well, uh, so this one, you, like I said, you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to. So we're going to end with this. If you could give, well, we're going to end with two things, but uh, if you could give someone who wants to get into the restaurant industry any piece of advice. Okay, I'm going to give two pieces of advice. Stay in school, and over the course of time, you'll change your mind. Please. (laughs) Please. That's number one. Number two. For a long time, this was an industry where you could, quote, unquote, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to put in the time and learn and learn and learn. And it doesn't really matter what position you want or what position you start out as. You have to learn that position. <coughs> so many youngsters, and I've worked with a ton They'll work one day, and they say, well, I don't like this that much. Can I do that instead? That would be great. You have to master this first. And part of it is the principle of it. I didn't hire you to pick and choose what you wanted to do. 
you applied for this position, this is what we're doing. But be that as it may, and that aside, learn what you're doing, whether you learn in school. By the way, if you go to school for, let's say, culinary, that degree or certificate that you get gives you one thing. It gives you the right to have me teach you. <laughs> That's all. It does, you know, I've seen them. I've seen these people from uh, the Culinary Institute saying, well, I don't need to learn anything because I've already been to, like, no, you really don't know anything, but you have proven that you can learn, mm -hmm. and we will teach you now. Mm -hmm. So empty your cup. And this is how you hold a knife. But, I mean, really, there's only one, one bit of advice. Mm -hmm. Forget what you think you know and learn, learn, and learn. That's really it. Yeah. That's good. So, uh, most importantly, where can people find you? How can they order food from you? Okay, so this is my biggest, the bane of my literal existence is the fact that so... The Facebook page isn't doing it mm -hmm. because I, A, I put my phone number on there. People say, you really should put your phone number on there. Well, it's on there. No, it ain't. And they're right. It, I don't know where the hell it is, but it's not on there. Um, your location or this or that. And it's really got me down because I had a really bad week last week, and I can't afford to have bad weeks. I can have. I can afford to have a bad few hours i can't afford to have a bad week mm -hmm. um so first of all for the time being 211 catawba street in a building called the alien opera house however barring any weirdness because i sealed this deal this morning I will be operating out of Chadwick's cool. on James Street. I'm not a huge fan of sports bars. Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of bars. But I do know that you folks, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you will be able to find me there. You won't be like... We've been circling the block, but golly, we don't know where to go. I mean, and that keeps happening no matter... I mean... I, I can't get people, enough people, in my door. This will get them. Look, you know what? You give me your order for the Crunch Bird and go and have a cocktail, I, I will pack your bird to go, baby. And that's what it's all about. That's when, really it. When's that supposed to start? September 1st. Awesome. Yep, yep, Sweet. yep. So that's two weeks from today, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so I got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Lots and lots of work to do. i got to hire some people. I, I've been a solo act for the last, what, two and a half years. Hmm. I'm going to hire some people. My profit margin's going to go down, but I don't care. I need volume, volume. You know. Yeah. I want to sell a 1,000 freaking sandwiches a day. Yeah. I don't want to sell 30 and each with each one. So how do I get there again? Yeah. Golly, I just drove by and <laughs> Yeah. That's been rough. Yeah, for sure. Until you get open in Chadwick's, my advice would just be, and this is what I do for some people when they start something new, just at the bottom of whatever your caption's going to be, 
always just copy it, like save it in your notes on your phone. So you just copy and paste it. Right. Address, phone number, email address. I have been doing something like that for yeah. the last couple of weeks. It's still not great. But, you know, first of all, that's not a great neighborhood. Yeah. Especially, you know, suburban housewives, they would be much, you know, on the way home from work, they'd be much more apt to stop in Eastwood than they would. Yeah. On the north side where there's shootings every 14 minutes. Yeah. You know. Sure. I live over there. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chef, thanks for coming back I want to thank you. This has been fun. You're always the best host, dude. <laughs> thank you. And you always serve great beer. I've never tried this one before. It's yeah. delicious. I, you know, I it, never have either, and I just had Isaac out at Abbott's. This is a, so this is like, um, what would you call it? Uh, it's 5.6%. So mm. it's, what do we call those ones? Like the all-day IPA? Oh, is yeah, a, yeah. Uh, Easy drinker. I can't remember the phrase they used to have for. I've been out of a lope. Yeah, I just met Isaac and really I've met him before, but I just like hung out with him out at an event at Abbott's and and got to talk to him for a while. And he's a great guy. Cool. I'm gonna have him on the podcast soon. So. Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Local New York Podcast. Uh, Again, love talking to Chef Steve Samuels, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Uh, Don't forget, head over to our Substack. The information's down on our show notes, and you can subscribe to the unedited version. Uh, As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'm going to catch you back here next week on the Eat Local New York Podcast. (music) 